the ICC Imara podcast. Here at ICC Imara, we're all about connecting people to God and to each other, challenging believers to Christ-likeness, and changing the world. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this message. glad that you could join us today for our Sunday service and it's my prayer that even as we have had that time of worship that you have taken time to connect with God in, in, in just a, a refreshing way. We also want to thank our senior pastor, Pastor Julius, for being so consistent in bringing us the word Sunday after Sunday and, and, and today he'll just be taking a break for, for a while even as it takes time to pray and to, and to refresh as we also see the way forward in the, in the coming month. So today I'm going to be sharing the word with you. And the title of my sermon is Staying Power in Adversity. Staying Power in Adversity. When it comes to facing adversity, perhaps the most frequently asked questions, what we call FAQs, as far as heaven is concerned, is that it must involve the why and the how long question. We all wrestle to understand why would a good God allow bad things to happen? And when, when no answer is forthcoming, we then wrestle with how long will the season of adversity last? So today we are going to see that God is not really into giving us those explanations, but rather God desires for us to develop some staying power so that he can accomplish his purpose through the adversities that we face. So in the midst of adversity, how do we develop that staying power that allows God to accomplish his purposes in and through us? And we are going to look at a man in the Bible who came to a point where he was facing adversity and he decided to have a dialogue with God about it. And through this, we are going to learn how we can develop some staying power in the midst of our adversity. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah and we will be reading from chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. So this is what it says. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet, let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far in their mind. But you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, 
and the herbs of every field wither. The beasts and the fields, the, the beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there, because they said, he will not see our final end. So Jeremiah opens the conversation and begins to question God. And the Lord answers Jeremiah from verse 5. If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the flood plain of the Jordan? For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. So just to help us understand the context of this scripture, Jeremiah served as a prophet to five of the kings of Judah during his lifetime. He had he had had the privilege of preaching, prophesying, and proclaiming God's word to the leaders of the southern kingdom of Judah. In this passage of scripture that we have just considered, Jeremiah has run into some challenges in his life. People were rejecting his message. And in the midst of that, in the previous chapter, if you read chapter 11, uh, chapter 11 God then revealed to Jeremiah that there were people, including his own family and friends, who wanted to kill him for prophesying God's word. They actually wanted him dead. So it seemed to Jeremiah that God was just watching and God was not acting justly. The situation had caused Jeremiah to feel forsaken by God. He proceeded to have a dialogue with God. He looks around. He compares how things are going in his life to the evil people around him, and Jeremiah is disturbed. In this adversity, Jeremiah goes to God with a series of questions, which we have just read from verse 1 to 4. And from God's response, which we have seen in verse 5 to 6, as Jeremiah is asking why, as Jeremiah is asking how long, God, as he's posing those questions to God in the midst of his adversity, we can pick three things that we ought to focus on so that we can develop that staying power in the midst of adversity so that God can accomplish his purposes in and through us. So the first thing that we see from this passage of scripture is that for us to develop that staying power in the midst of adversity, we ought to focus on God's sovereignty. Notice how God responds to Jeremiah. God does not provide a defense for what is happening to Jeremiah. He doesn't even tell him how he's going to vindicate Jeremiah. Similarly, for us today, God does not owe any one of us an explanation for the adversity that we face. In fact, the people of Israel at some point were complaining to God, and in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 45, 9, it says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you are doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? Here God is telling his people, 
I am the potter, you are the clay, and I can mold you using whatever means that I choose to. No one has a right to question the sovereignty of God. You see, as God's children, we don't live by explanations, but rather we live by revelation. Understanding explanations may satisfy our curiosity. It may make us smarter people, but when you lay hold of God's promises, what he has revealed in his word, in the midst of your adversity, that then begins to build up your character and makes you a better follower of Christ. I love this statement that says, if God were too small for us to figure out, then he would not be big enough for us to worship. If God was small enough for us to comprehend his every step and explain everything that he's going to do, then he would not be big enough for us to worship. The reason why we surrender and come to him in, in, in total humility is because we have come to that place where we are saying his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are far much higher than ours. He is sovereign. Rather than wrestle to understand the whys of the, of, of, of the circumstances that you face in your life, strive to wrestle to know the who in whose hands your life is held. We ought to focus on the truth that God in his sovereignty orders all the affairs of our lives, even including that adversity, that tough situation that you're facing, God has ordained it to happen. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, says in Ecclesiastes 7.14 that enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. We also see this in the life of Job. When his wife comes to him and tells him, cast God and die, in the midst of his adversity, Job acknowledges God's sovereignty and he responds to his wife by telling her, you speak as a foolish woman. Should we accept from God only good and not adversity? We find that in Job 2.10. So we see Job even in the midst of the crushing adversity that he faces. He says, this has come from the hand of God and I accept it. I embrace it. Jesus himself, who is our ultimate example, in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was facing that difficult moment, praying and sweating drops of blood, he prays, and even in the midst of his prayer that God would take away the cup of suffering, he, he still acknowledges the sovereignty of God. Jesus prays in Luke twenty-two forty-two, and he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus himself submitted himself to the sovereignty of God acknowledging that it is God's will that must prevail even in the midst of such a difficult moment. God is in charge of everything that happens. In the ups and downs of our lives, God is in charge. Even Satan himself, we see him in the book of Job, coming to God, asking for permission for him to operate. Satan himself is under the control of our sovereign God. In the adversity that you face, in that joblessness, in that adversity of sickness, in that adversity of, of conflict in your marriage, you can develop that staying power 
by focusing on the sovereignty of God and trusting his character, believing that he works out all things for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So how do you develop that staying power? Just know that there is a sovereign God who is in control of every and any situation that comes our way. And this then brings me to my second point, that for you to develop that staying power in the midst of your adversity, you need to focus on growth. Focus on growth in your adversity. In Jeremiah 12, 5, God tells Jeremiah that, you know, all this time, you have been running with foot soldiers and you are already weary. You see, in those times, in the Old Testament, during times of battle, the footmen would be the first troops that the enemy would first send before they would unleash the heavy artillery, before they would release the deadly troops on horseback. So in spite of the trials that Jeremiah was facing, God is telling him, this is child's play. What you're struggling with is just soldiers on footmen. You have not come yet to the point of racing with the horses. And then he proceeds and he gives him another, another explanation. And he tells Jeremiah, look, in spite of the trials that you're facing right now, you're actually living in a land of peace. Now, however, Jeremiah was going to have to tackle the thick jungles of the Jordan River. You see, at that particular time, the Jordan River would flood. And when the floods would spread to the thickets and to the bushes, the lions and the beasts of prey would come out. And these animals would attack the humans who were living nearby. So God is telling Jeremiah, what you're facing right now is just on the plains. You haven't yet come to the heavy duty challenges that are awaiting you when the Jordan is flooding. Basically, he's telling Jeremiah, difficult times are coming. He proceeds to tell Jeremiah in verse 6 that even your own family, your brother, your father, they will all turn against you. This is heavy duty persecution for you, Jeremiah. So you cannot be lamenting at this particular time when you're just facing footmen and encountering challenges on the plains. Difficult times are coming your way. God was basically telling Jeremiah, I am not coming down to pamper you. It's not time for you to throw a pity party. It's not time for you to look down upon yourself, but rather brace yourself because greater challenges are coming your way. And it's interesting, this is the same way that God approached Job when Job was questioning why he's going through his suffering. When God enters the scene, he tells Job, prepare yourself, brace yourself like a man, and I will question you and you will answer me. God comes and, he, and it's like he's telling them, you know, sit up, I'm about to speak. I want to make you aware of what is coming your way. Similarly for us, I know you're going through a difficult moment. I know you're facing a time of adversity, whatever it may be for you. But one thing we all need to realize is that the journey of faith is not a leisurely walk in the park. As the Apostle Paul puts it 
It's a race that needs to be run with endurance. Hebrews 12.1. It's a fight that has to be fought. 1 Timothy 6.12. And he proceeds to also tell Timothy that if you desire to grow towards godliness, then one thing is for sure, persecution will come. 2 Timothy 3.12. In a nutshell, for all of us, expect adversity. If you're a child of God, expect adversity. But this comes to make you and not to break you. You see, the easy life is ultimately the hard life because the easy life stifles maturity. But the difficult life challenges that come our way, they develop our spiritual muscles so that we can accomplish more for God. And this is underlined by James 1, 2 to 4, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And here we just see that the trial, the adversity that comes your way is actually meant to make you so that you may be mature and complete. You know, in our personal lives, Every test that you will face is preparing you for another test. And every time you pass a test, you have a testimony to tell of the faithfulness of God. Take the example of David. David was a man who succeeded in slaying a giant and saving a whole nation that was held hostage and bringing glory to God. And all this he did because he is a man who contended with a lion and a bear. So when it came to contend with the giant Goliath, he already had in his CV, he already had within himself that ability because he had matured. He had come to that place where he had trusted God. He had come to that place where he had walked with God and he had seen God take him through many challenges. So when the bigger challenge came, he stepped up to the plate and he said, I am up for this because I have seen the faithfulness of God in my previous tests. I know that globally we have been facing a difficult time with COVID-19. It has affected everybody, every sector. But I'm here to tell you that even COVID-19 is just contending with footmen. COVID-19 is just doing battle in the plains. I may sound like a messenger of doom, but I tell you, Jesus himself foretold of difficult days ahead. Listen to what he said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this, he said, are just the beginning of bad things. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
Matthew 24, 7 to 13. It may sound like a gloomy picture that Jesus painted for us, but I want to tell you, if you are a child of God, even in the midst of that promise of coming adversity, you can still have hope because he says, when these things begin, then the end will come. And it is for us then to stand firm and then we will be saved. The book of Revelation says, those who stand firm to the very end, there is a crown of life that is waiting for you. So what should you do when those adversities come? Ask God to strengthen you, to grow you, so that when the difficult times come, you will not give way. Looking at the pandemic that we are facing, many may be asking, why did God allow this to happen? And when the answer is not forthcoming, some of us are asking, how long will it last? When will we get back to normal? But I want you to change the question that you're asking yourself during this time. Ask yourself, how will I come out of this pandemic? What will have happened in me? Will I have grown? Will I come out of this wounded or will I come out of this having been a changed person who has grown deeper and closer to God? Will I come out of this situation of having a pay cut or having no pay, having no business, and declare like Paul that I have learned to be content, whether I have plenty or whether I am lacking? Will you come out of that place of saying that I have trusted God and I have seen him come through, even though the, the, the vine did not blossom, even though there was nothing in the bands, I still praised my God in the midst of that and I feel I have grown closer to him. Ask yourself, how will I come out of this pandemic? Not how long and not why. Ask yourself, what is God doing in me? And am I responding to what he's doing in me? In all adversity, to develop your staying power, focus on growth that is happening in you. And that brings me to my third point. For you to develop that staying power, focus on God's greater purpose that he wants to achieve in the world. Focus on God's greater purpose. As the dialogue progresses between God and Jeremiah, in the preceding verses from verse 7 up to the very end of chapter 12, God spells out his greater purpose. That is, that he's going to judge evil, but he's going to show compassion on those who turn away from evil. This is the greater purpose of God that Jeremiah was called to proclaim. At the very beginning when he was called and Jeremiah complained that, you know, he's not capable of doing this, God said, this is what I want you to go and do. You will be the one to go and speak this message of judgment, but also speak to the people and tell them that if they turn from their wicked ways, I will have compassion on them. So this is what Jeremiah was to proclaim. And Jeremiah embraced God's heart of compassion. And he endured such great adversity. Moments when he thought of giving up. Moments when he thought of saying, God, you have deceived me. I shouldn't have taken up this call. But the heart of compassion and the word of God burned in him so much that he endured all the adversity to proclaim God's word. What are some of the things Jeremiah went through? First of all, he was ignored. Jeremiah 7.27 and other verses talk of the people totally ignoring Jeremiah. He was beaten and put in stocks. Jeremiah 20, 
1 to 2. Jeremiah faced a death sentence, Jeremiah 26, 11. And Jeremiah was being left to die in a mud pit, Jeremiah 38, 6. And you may say, what, 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 what kept him going? What gave him that staying power? Well, let me put it this way, that the adversity that Jeremiah suffered in fulfilling God's mission was just but a shadow of the greater adversity that God's son, Jesus Christ, would have to suffer in bringing men to reconcile with God. Even for you and I today, how we handle adversity bears testimony to, a, to an unbelieving world to the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 15 says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You see, this scripture was targeted to a group of believers who are undergoing some heavy-duty persecution under the emperor Caesar Nero. And Peter is writing to them and he's telling them, in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that threat to your life, revere Christ as Lord in your heart. And when you do that, you will have a hope. And that hope will attract people. People will want to know what is this that is giving you hope in the midst of such a difficult time. When you and I refuse to succumb to adversity, when we will not allow it to steal our joy, when we don't allow it to steal our peace, but rather we maintain an attitude of hope, people around you will begin to wonder what is your secret. When you come to that place when you are jobless and you still maintain an attitude of joy and thanksgiving, when you come to that place of knowing that you are sick in your body, but you are the one who is encouraging others, people will want to know what is giving you such hope, what is giving you such joy, what is this that is not stealing your peace, what is your secret? And this opens an opportunity for you to share about Christ who you have revered in your heart, who identifies with your suffering and supplies the grace for you to go through that situation that you're facing. This is the same Christ who gives you the confidence to say like Paul that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The other thing we see in God's great purpose, in this context of Jeremiah, the people were facing the adversity of exile to Babylon. And God was doing this so that the people could return back to him. And indeed, this painful experience of them being taken to Babylon, it worked because the people realized their sin and they turned back to God. C.S. Lewis says that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is what God uses to rouse a deaf world. It takes a good dose of adversity to remind people 
that their lives are not in control and they begin to seek God. This is well captured in this current season of the pandemic that we are facing, the adversity that has come our way. I was reading an article that was saying that during this time in the month of April, a church that was reporting uh, 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 online interactions of 8,000, that number shot up to 1.3 million in just three weeks, in just three weeks, because people were beginning to realize, I am not in control of my life. There is this small thing that we can't see that is called a virus, a coronavirus that, is, that has just invaded my life and everything is out of control. So people are beginning to, to, to ask themselves, who is in control? And people started seeking. And that is why this church reported such an increase. But the most exciting part of this is that 21,000 of those people who are engaging with this church expressed their desire to put their hope in Jesus Christ, to put their faith in Jesus Christ. So develop staying power in your adversity by focusing on God's greater purpose for you to become a witness to reconcile men to him. And so in conclusion, I am not downplaying what you're going through. But one thing I do believe so strongly is that God will not allow you to go through anything that you cannot bear. In your adversity, move away from asking why. Move away from asking how long. Rather, develop that staying power by focusing on God's sovereignty. Focus on the growth that is happening in you and focus on God's greater purpose, which is to reconcile men to him. And he's using that situation for you to be a witness. Keep in mind Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So this time I want to pray for you, particularly you who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know how you're managing life. I don't know how you're going through difficult situations. The only way that you can be able to sail through is by having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you're there, just bow your head and make this prayer. You don't need a pastor to come with you or lay your hands on you right there where you are. Just bow your head and make this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you because of your word. I hear and I know that you have spoken to me so clearly that in the midst of this difficult situation, the pain that I'm going through, you are reaching out to me. It may be painful, but it is a merciful way of you calling me to yourself. So, Father, right now, I come to you and I ask, may you be the Lord and Savior of my life. I renounce my sin and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to keep walking, even in the midst of adversity, that I shall remain standing because I know you will supply the grace that will keep me going. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
you for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. If this ministry has impacted your life, you can help us reach others by partnering with us. You can give through our website, iccimara.org give. Be sure to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Have a great week. Thank you.